Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to Two Man Blitz. My name's Taylor. I'm Daniel. Today is February 1st, 2017. It's a cold and cold day here in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, what's crazy about the weather here in Phoenix, dude, uh, it can be 30 degrees at 7 in the morning, and by noon, it's like 75, 80 degrees. I don't, I don't get that, but that's a desert climate for you. Yep. Yeah, been dealing with it for a while now, so you get used to it. I guess it's better than being up there in like Montana or something like that, where the high is like negative three. Right. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Ugh. I uh, during the during the playoffs, I would follow like the like the the temperature in Green Bay, and dude, it was it was brutal, man. I used to live that life, man. Uh, glad to be living here in Phoenix now, where it's nice and warm. <laughs> this week's a big week. It's a uh, Super Bowl week. Houston Texans are hosting the Super Bowl. I was about to say they're in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I was like, mm, interesting. <laughs> New England Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons are playing in the Super Bowl this week. Should be a fantastic matchup. Speaking of the Houston Texans, uh, I sent Daniel a video this week. Donovan McNabb was on a, I think part of, not not part of the interruption. What were they on? A, it's that show in the morning. Uh, when Skip Bayless used to be on. First take. First take. First yeah. take. And, uh, Donovan McNabb compared the Falcons' offense to the Texans' offense, saying that they're basically identical. And it's like I don't know, dude. I don't know what what crack you're smoking, bro. But those, <laughs> those teams aren't anywhere near the same. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I commented on it and just won't say exactly what I said. But um, the the short of it was I don't know what McNabb is talking about. He's he's insane. been drinking too much, man. Too many DUIs and stuff. Apparently, yeah. He lives out here. He lives here in Gilbert. Too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but cool. Uh, it should be an exciting week of football. Um, it's the last game of the year, which is always disappointing, but um, it, it should be a good game. Last year, I think last year's Super Bowl was probably one of the more boring Super Bowls in the last 10, 15 years that I can that I can recall. So this year, this this year's one should be more high scoring. So I think it'll be a, a fun one, fun one to watch. You got Tom Brady, possibly the greatest quarterback of all time. You got Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, one of the the uh, most prolific offenses in the NFL, so should be a fun game. Should be a fun game. A couple more things here I wanted to talk about before we get into um, the full show. We're gonna we're gonna do our regular season awards today, and then we're also gonna preview the Super Bowl, obviously. But a couple of things. Um, got a notification last night that Mr. Carson Palmer has pulled his kids out of school here in Phoenix, has sold his house, and is moving, which is a sign that maybe he's retiring, maybe not. What do you think of that? Well, if this is any case, any indication like last time, there was a report that came out that said before he left Cincy that year to go to the Raiders, he did sort of the same thing, which is what I was going to talk to you about. But obviously, we wanted to wait until he started recording. So that's very interesting that he did the same sort of thing and he's been mulling over retirement. But that throws a huge curveball into the Cardinals organization because now it would be Palmer and Fitzgerald because I don't think Fitzgerald wants to sit through another quarterback controversy. No, from what from what they said, Larry Fitzgerald has made his decision, but he's being smart and he's waiting until after the Super Bowl. I hate it when like guys come out and they release that stuff like right before a big game. Um, I think it was was it A Rod that did that last a couple of years ago in the World Series, um, like the week of the World Series. Like he came out and said like he's retiring and kind of like it takes the attention away from the big game. So expect Larry Fitzgerald to make an announcement next week. But I think they're both. You know, whatever one does, the other one's gonna do the same thing. So, if the Cardinals were to lose Palmer and Fitzgerald the same off same off season, that team's gonna almost be like in a rebuilding state uh, to an extent. I mean, they don't have a number one receiver on that team. They don't have a a starting quarterback on that roster outside of Palmer. So, they're gonna have to either you know draft a quarterback or um, go to free agency. A lot of the rumors out there. Um, not just for the Cardinals, but for other teams as well, is that Mike Glennon is like the most, outside of Cousins, is like the highest quarterback option on the market. I don't know, man. I, I'll put Mike Glennon in the same Brock Osweiler category. Like, you've seen a couple of games from him. Obviously, obviously Tampa wasn't a believer in him. They, they drafted Jameis Winston a couple of years ago. So why why is Mike Glennon all of a sudden just like this, like this, this hot new thing that people want? It's because it's hard to find a franchise quarterback. It's just, that is the hardest thing to find a franchise quarterback and find a find an edge rusher that does his job well. That's like the two hardest things to find, and you know. So that these are guys, these are bridge guys. They they talk. That's a term they use, I guess. Scouts, just a guy to bridge the gap for however long needed until they finally groom that quarterback. And I think that's what Mike Glennon is. And 
that's why the hype is so big on him. But also, like, the rumors are that he's going to get, like, $15 million, like, kind of, like, similar to, like, what Brock Osweiler got. But my thing is, if it was my team, man, I want one of my team. Go- I'd rather have my team go after a quarterback in the draft because you're not paying him that much out of the draft now. Rookies don't get paid as much as they used to. Yeah. Whereas, like, a quarterback like that, look at the Texans, man. That roster's set back now four years because they had to pay him all that money and they owe him a lot of money. So they're kind of they're kind of stuck with him at this point. Um so, I mean, if, if it were my team, I'd rather have them go to the draft and address that position, you know. And then, you know, while we're on the, the Cardinals, you know, they don't have other another solid receiver on that roster. They lost Michael Floyd. that They released him because of all his troubles. You he's, know, playing, John, he's playing in the Super Bowl, though. Yeah, if he plays, man, he was a healthy scratch in the <laughs> the uh, championship game. Um, Michael Floyd's gone. John Brown's got the sickle cell issue, so you don't know what's going to go on with that. Jerome Brown towards ACL this last year. J.J. Nelson, he weighs 130 pounds. So who knows? He can't be a number one. He's more of just a deep threat. So, I mean, if they lose both those guys this offseason, man, they got to draft a quarterback and a receiver. That's got to be their, their two top, you know, needs going into the offseason if they lose both those guys next week. So we'll see. That'll be interesting. There's a guy in Texas that plays for the Cowboys that'd be just fine there. Terrence Williams? Yeah, that, that yeah. Oh, yeah. Terrence that, Williams. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, he could throw the ball, too. Tony Romo would be a good fit there because it would give them a quarterback to... To bridge. Bridge. That, that That's more of a bridge. Mike Glennon, I see, is more of like, if you're getting him, you think he's the future, whereas Tony Romo would be, like you said, a bridge. You could have him for a couple of years. You know, he's going to be hurt half the time, but you could have him there, um, and you could groom a young quarterback just like, you know, just like the Packers did, just like... Uh, I don't know who else is. Who else has been grooming quarterbacks? I don't know who else. Maybe New England with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, but they're about to trade him away. Apparently, to Cleveland. It seems like it seems like Cleveland gets all of New England's like crappy players <laughs> or like players like washed up players that New England feels don't they see they don't see a future in. And they go to Cleveland and they they don't do that good. Jimmy Collins just got a ton of money. Yeah, from, we'll, from Cleveland. We'll New, see how that plays. New England's out. probably feeling pretty good about that. A um, couple more things here. Uh, what's up? With the, what's the update with the Raiders, man? Uh, so the Raiders, like we talked about last week, they filed their relocation papers to Las Vegas. Like we had said last week, this does not mean it's official. It's just saying, hey, we're potentially trying to move, and if this everything goes well, this is what we want to do. Well, initially their funding person was a casino owner, and he backed out of the funding, which was fine because – the Raiders still had Goldman Sachs as their as who's going to be funding their stadium, and now Goldman Sachs is talking about backing out. So now this potential move is in jeopardy of not happening. And like we had said before, it's not an official thing; it's just a uh, you know a paper saying we're going to move. <laughs> there might not be a Las Vegas Raiders these coming up years. I'd rather have the Raiders just stay in Oakland. Like, come on, man! Like those fans are so passionate up there. Let, keep that team there. Obviously, they, they can't build a new stadium, but why? what's the hurdle in trying to share a stadium with the Niners out in Santa Clara? Like, I, I, don't, see, I don't see what the big problem is. Like, the Oakland, Oakland's finally picking up steam, and they're starting to get good again, and now you're going to waste it and send them to, to Vegas, which I don't mind that there's a Vegas team. That's cool, but I'm just thinking of like the same thing as you. All the passionate fans in Oakland that are gonna lose their team, and it's not like it's just a jump away. It's, it's in Vegas, going yeah. from like, North California all the way to the su- southern part of Nevada. So that's just that'll hurt them out a lot. I don't like all these teams moving around, man, because that's a lot of heartbreak for these fans, man. Like, just think about like when you were like when you were a kid growing up. Like, you know, you you know, you obviously love the Cowboys. I love the Packers. Like, if my team moved away, man, like I. It'd be sad, man. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of like passionate fans out there, man. That's not fair that these teams just get up and move just because they don't like the situation they're in. Like, dude, stick it out, man. You got you got a lot of passionate fans. You gotta gotta give them what they want. Mm-hmm. All right, one more thing I want to get into before we we get into our awards. So, I had the Senior Bowl this past week. Um, there's a lot of mock drafts coming out now, and this is the time of year where mock drafts are just terrible because. The combine hasn't happened yet. Pro days haven't happened yet. Free agency hasn't happened. So, we'd love to go through and just you know uh, pick apart one of these one of these mock drafts. And our lucky little guy is Mr. Uh, Bucky Brooks from NFL Network. And I I don't know, man. I swear some of these I, I know some of these guys. You know, like their former 
you know, college players, NFL players and stuff and former scouts and whatnot. But dude, some of these mock drafts, man, are just are are pretty pathetic, man. Um, I mean, this guy's what's the hype about Mitch Trubisky, man? I he's played one year of college football, um, competitive college football. I watched his, his uh, bowl game against Stanford, and, I mean, he threw a couple of picks in that game. Like, there are a few times where you see, like, all right, this guy could be, you know, a really good NFL quarterback, but then there's other times where I'm like, this guy's not anywhere near ready to play in the NFL. And there's rumors, like, this guy's, he's got him taking him, Mitch Trubisky going number two to the Niners. Um, I heard rumors of, like, the Bills possibly trading up to one to get him, where you have, you have a... Uh, Deshaun Watson, who's showed in college that he can beat anybody, and he's got him at 27 going to the Chiefs. <laughs> I don't get that. Yeah, I said the same thing right before we started talking about this, that Trubisky is, he, he has one year of experience under his belt at North Carolina, and I mean, the, the ACC is a good conference, Let's let's not, don't get me wrong, but the amount of competition you see between the SSC, I think there's only two teams really that are good, and that's Florida State and Clemson. And Clemson. And you could throw Louisville in there, but I mean, outside of you know Lamar Jackson, there's not really a lot of a lot of talent in the ACC. So it's going to be really interesting to see him going up. And if you think about the NFL, the NFL is like the all-star group of college players. So. You're going to go up against an all-star team of NFL players, and having one year under your belt in college doesn't really help you out. Now, maybe he'll prove us wrong. I mean, there's been guys out there that have said the same thing, like, oh, he doesn't have this and X, Y, Z, and then they end up being studs, you know? They said the same, same thing about Bosa. Like, Bosa could rush a passer in college, but it means nothing against the NFL. And look what Bosa did in his short time. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see what that looks like. And if they take Trubisky, number two, That'd be a bear, especially John Lynch being the new GM. We didn't talk about that either. John Lynch oh, yeah. just got hired on as the new GM for the 49ers. He was previously doing um, coverage for Fox. He was a reporter, and they sat him on for six years. So if their first move is to draft a quarterback at number two, and it is Trubisky. That'd be a very uh, surprising play later on. Yeah, and I mean, they got Kyle Shanahan coming in. So both those guys are signed for six years. So um, if they put their heads together, I'm sure they will realize that taking Mitch Trubisky this high is probably not the best decision because if you're if you're picking number two man this has to be a, a like a lock like this guy if you if you choose the wrong guy here and he's a bust I mean that sets your franchise back a little bit like you have to nail this pick you know you got Cleveland one San Francisco two Deshaun Watson has to go one of these picks whether it's to these teams or a different team Deshaun Watson's the best quarterback in, in college football he's played Alabama in the national championship the last two years he's one and one he, they, they put up 40 points last year. This year, I think they put up like 30 points, let the game-winning drive. Like, both, If you look at his stats from both those games, they're unbelievable. And, and Alabama is seen as the no-doubt best defense in college football. They've been the best for, for a while. And he shredded them up two years in a row, man. Like, What more do you want than that? Like, People are getting on him for not going to the Senior Bowl, but why does he need to? Look at the resume he has, man. He's done what he needs to. So for... for for someone having Deshaun Watson at 27, like there's no way he's going to fall that far. If I was doing a mock right now, Deshaun Watson would probably be the number one pick just because of how important the quarterback position is and how hard it is to find a franchise quarterback. I think he goes number one, whether it's to the Browns or to somebody else. But how do you think the Rams feel right now? Trading up for, you know, trading the whole franchise for Jared Goff. And obviously we saw how last year went with Jared Goff. So didn't, didn't go so well. So I wonder how they feel. Um, <laughs> Let's, let's talk about some of these other picks, though. Um, talk about this Peppers pick. Jabril Peppers at five. Dude, I've seen Jabril Peppers. I've seen him go as high as, like, four or five, but then I've seen him not even make it in the first round. I think... What, I think is, what does that tell you about Jabril Peppers? That really no one knows what his value he does, he is. He doesn't have a true position. That's that what too. that says. I mean, he's... For his size, he's probably going to have to be a safety. I know he played linebacker. He played linebacker in college, right? He played safety in college? He played all three. He played corner, played linebackers, and safety. He could be like that Deion Buchanan kind of like uh, like hybrid position, that hybrid linebacker position. Um, but he'll probably also like return punts and stuff like that. But I don't think he goes that high. Yeah. I, I don't see that. What, 
<clears throat> if you go, if you're able to watch any Michigan games, you can you can clearly see he's his skill level is on he's on another spectrum when it comes to how his skill level is and and the stuff he does. But the, where he lacks is in in very just basic functional skills like breaking down to make a tackle. You could see how many different times he's tried to break down on a on somebody who's a little bit quicker than him and just getting eaten alive. And so. He doesn't really have a true position. He's he, he like we talked about. He's a safety corner and a linebacker. So you got to figure out where he's going to fit perfectly in your scheme. And so they have him going number five to the Titans as a safety. So that's where they. I guess that's where they see value in him. I don't know if the Titans are in need of a safety at this moment, but that's kind of what they have him written up as. Yeah, I think the Titans. The Titans got a pretty good roster, but they could use some. I mean, the their secondary was their weakest part of their their team this past year, so. Uh, Bucky Brooks also has them taking Marlon Humphrey out the corner out of Alabama with their second first round pick. Titans are set up, man. They're set up for some success going forward. Their GM has done a good job and two first round picks this year. That's going to be, um, I think they make the playoffs next year. I think they win the division finally. Um, a couple more things here. Uh, they have uh, John Ross, the receiver from Washington, going 17 of Washington. Washington took. Um, Josh Doxson last year, first round. Why would they take another receiver for first round? I know they're going to lose to Sean Jackson probably, and I, I would hope that they re-sign Pierre Garçon. Um, I don't see John Ross going that high, man. I just I don't but, see it. But speed, I mean, speed pays. That would make that would make them basically have two slot receivers as their their main guys, which is okay, I guess. But I mean, unless you think Josh Doxson is Antonio Brown. Josh Doxson's a big guy. He's more of an outside receiver. You think he's Antonio Brown, though? No, well, he's not that type of receiver, no. He's more of a bigger dude, then? Yeah, he's more of like a... I want to compare him with Julio Jones, but more like... He's bigger in that size, I think. 6'2", 206? Yeah, okay. Julio's 6'3", Yeah, 6'2", 206, something like that. All right, well... So, I guess that's who they're going to consider. Now, how much did Josh, Josh Doxson play last year? He didn't play a single game. He didn't play not one game, so he's considered a rookie still, and... That's they're gonna have basically two rookie receivers and have Kirk Cousins throwing to him. So we'll see how that goes. They don't really have anybody else other than Jordan Reed, if that's the case, because we won't know. But again, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. That's why we don't get paid the big bucks. Mm -hmm. One more thing we'll we'll talk about here, and then we're gonna move on because realized we're already 18 minutes into the show. Um, A lot of the mock drafts have the Packers taking Christian McCaffrey at 29, which baffles me. I don't think that makes any sense at all. They they have the Packers have. Ty Montgomery, who's similar to Christian McCaffrey, not as quick, but similar in, in like how he can, you know, take care of the backfield. He can he can pop outside for a screen pass. He can play he can play in the slot. He can do all that stuff. Why would the Packers draft another guy like that? Like if they're gonna draft a running back, they're gonna draft a more in between the tackles kind of guy. And I don't even think they t- I don't even think they draft a, a cornerback this early. That's not even one of their it's not their top need. That's for sure. So I think these mock drafters need to get off that bandwagon and realize they're not going to take McCaffrey there yeah I can agree with you on that there's not a there's not a huge need there for for another running back we talked about before where you could use Montgomery as a spell back and they can get a bigger back maybe in the second round or third round or something like that and I I I think they go with defense on that pick specifically yeah they also they had a Dalvin Cook going 21 to the Lions that'd be interesting um excuse me Lions drafted a Amir Abdullah, I think, what, two years ago now? Mm-hmm. And uh, he was hurt this past year, but that would be interesting. I think the Lions do need to add some some running back depth. So I don't, I like that pick, but I don't I don't think he, I don't know if he falls that far, though. We'll see. Uh, the, the combine coming up will determine a lot of these players' draft stock, and a lot of players will move up. There'll be guys that'll go in the first round that aren't even mentioned here. So, And there's guys that may go in top 10 right here that may not even go in the first round. So we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. We're going to do some some regular season awards. Um, if you guys want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter, at the Two Man Blitz. Um, if you have any uh, feedback on our on our awards, what you guys think of them, email us, the Two Man Blitz at gmail.com. Um, we're going to start out with uh, Coach of the Year. Um, my Coach of the Year, I go with Adam Gase from, from Miami. Oh, okay. He was a first-year coach um, coming into you know a tough position. They didn't even know what Tannehill was you know, the starting quarterback coming into the year. And obviously Tannehill had one of the best years of his career before he, uh, he got hurt. They lost four of their first five games. They started out one and four. I don't know if you remember watching that Bengals game 
on the Thursday night, the color rush game, and it just looked really bad. Like the the Dolphins looked like just a total dumpster fire and didn't look like they were going to go anywhere. And and they turned it around. They went ten and six, and they got a wild card spot. So I think Adam Gase did a, did a fantastic job there in Miami, and um, I think that that team's they're going to be pretty good looking um, going forward. And they just add some players on defense. I think they'll be set next year. Yeah, I, I can agree with that pick. That that's that's straight. I mean, like you can kind of think of the same thing like Ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo this year was his first year and took his team to the playoffs and sort of the same thing with with Adam Gase. You know, he took his team to the playoffs and I feel like Adam Gase didn't have as many, you know, as great a team in Miami as you do in New York. So yeah, that that's a great pick. Um, I had a little bit of a different route that I went. Uh, I went with actually Dan Quinn as my coach of the year. And the reason why I went with Dan Quinn as my coach of the year is because. I had been talking about it since probably the beginning of the season. I, I didn't I didn't have the Falcons pegged as going to the Super Bowl, let alone even making the playoffs. They finished eight and eight last year and, you know, finished second in the NFC South, didn't really qualify to go to the playoffs. They lost True Font this year and they didn't really do much to improve themselves on either side of the ball except for getting Sanu and for um, Vic Beasley coming back. So Considering that those two things happen, I think Dan Quinn being able to make it to the Super Bowl speaks volumes to how much the team has improved under his his tenure, and I can't wait to watch this game this this Sunday. It's gonna be good, man. Dan Quinn's got some experience too. He was on, I mean, he was Seattle's defensive coordinator when they went to the Super Bowl against Denver, um, and I think that's the year that he ended up leaving and going to Atlanta. So yeah, it's a good pick. I like that. Um, now we're gonna get to some player awards. Um, this is this is Daniel's um, idea for an award. This is a the Jeff Fisher Player of the Year. Can you can you explain real quick what the Jeff Fisher Player of the Year means? <laughs> yeah, give some content. <laughs> so, the Jeff Fisher Player of the Award Player of the Year Award is for somebody who was really really hyped up as a player because they were supposed to do something good and then just fell flat on their face. And maybe not just this year, but a couple years in a row because Jeff Fisher. When he got hired in, in St. Louis, like it was all, oh, they got Jeff Fisher, that's such a good hire. And Jeff Fisher has never, he never had a season over 500 for the Rams, but they kept giving him extensions and stuff. So who's your Jeff Fisher player of the year? Uh, my Jeff Fisher player of the year, oh, sorry Jets fans, is actually Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick was, uh, you know, they at this offseason, the Jets really weighed in on who they were going to re-sign him. And, you know, he held out for a while and, you know, all his teammates around him, Brandon Marshall and things like that, said, yes, we need to bring him back. He, he's that guy. Matt Forte weighed in heavy on going to the Jets because Ryan Fitzpatrick was coming back. And this year, Ryan Fitzpatrick was only in there because the regular starting quarterback kept getting injured. And so he was the backup coming in was, every single time. It was funny to watch, man, because he got benched in the Cardinals game. And Geno Smith went in. And Geno Smith played, like, you know, like, not great. And then the following week, Geno Smith started towards ACL, and they put Fitzpatrick back in. <laughs> and then later on, he got benched again for like Bryce Petty. I think Bryce Petty got hurt, and they put Fitzpatrick in. So yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, I like that pick. <laughs> um, I had two guys I was going between. Um, I wanted to pick Matt Jones if Matt Jones had played the entire year because Matt Jones coming to the year like he was a starting running back. You were on the Matt Jones bandwagon. I'm like, no, dude, this dude's trash. This dude's trash. And he eventually got benched, and now he doesn't even. He's not even active anymore. Um, I'm gonna go with Jeremy Hill though. I've never been a, <laughs> I've never been a fan of Jeremy Hill, running back out of Cincinnati. In his rookie year, he had 1,100 yards rushing, um, but the past two seasons, he's averaging 3.6 and 3.8 yards per carry, which is terrible. And he had two games over 100 yards this past year rushing. Do you know what teams those were against? The Browns. Yeah, the Browns twice, dude. Twice he went over 100 yards against the Browns. Rest of the rest of the teams, he didn't do squat. So. Jeremy Hill is my Jeff Fisher Player of the Year. Congratulations, buddy. <laughs> um, all right, next one is Trash Player of the Year. Um, so Trash Player of the Year is just like Trash just, Player of the Year. Just the he's he's the worst. He why sucks. are we Why are we starting off so negative this morning? Because we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna end positive. We're gonna we're gonna be professional afterwards. So I have trash. I have two Trash Player of the Year. Um, it's a it's a co-title, so they can both share this award. But two quarterbacks. Um, Mr. Ryan Fitzpatrick's one, <laughs> and then our boy Brock Osweiler, who we're just the biggest fans of. Um, out of 30, 30 qualified quarterbacks this season, they ranked 29th and 30th in, in, in <laughs> passer rating. <laughs> 
So, yeah, those guys suck. Yeah, they suck. Congratulations, Trash Player of the Year. Uh, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, my Trash trash Player of the Year, this is terrible. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. My Trash Player of the Year is actually going to be a wide receiver. Um, and his name is Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> <laughs> Nelson Aguilar led the Eagles in drops this year. And um, I think the the statistic, I don't remember exactly the like the the total number, but the amount of first down, like I think it was the amount of first downs that Nelson Aguilar dropped from um, from Carson Wentz this season was like twelve or something like that, or just mis- miscommunication fires between them, and so he was one of the sole reasons that they they would lose games because they, they just couldn't make the catches in the in, in the clutch moments, so. Nelson Aguilar is my trash player of the year. To add on to that, uh, back in June, um, an exotic dancer, which is a uh, professional word for stripper, accused Nelson Aguilar of rape. So, <laughs> rough, rough year for that guy. Gosh. All right. Let's get serious now. All right. Trash All right. player of the year. Offensive rookie of the year. Um, I think this is, for me, it's a given. I'm going to go with Zeke Elliott, running back from Dallas. 1,631 yards rushing, 363 yards receiving, 16 touchdowns. Help lead Dallas to a 13-3 and record, NFC East division title, number one seed in the NFC. That's my, my say. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with you. I, I take Zeke as my offensive rookie of the year. I mean, you, I, I don't think if you would have – I don't think it would have mattered if you would have plugged Zeke into to Romo's offense or Dak's offense. does not matter. He's the difference maker in that thing. Everybody can talk about – you know, Dak being the franchise quarterback, like, yes, but when you can take pressure off your quarterback by just moving the ball four or five yards every time you touch it, that's going to help you out. Second and six is way better than second and nine. So I think he's an offensive rookie of the year for my for me as well. I think the MVP for Dallas is that offensive line, though. That's a different Absolutely. story. That offensive line is just incredible. Absolutely. So we're going to do a, a second offensive rookie of the year award. This one's for a player that, that doesn't play for the Dallas Cowboys since – I think Zeke and Dak would be one and two. Um, who's your Who's your guy? Um, that's not on Dallas. I picked Tyreek Hill, and I think Tyreek Hill specifically because of, of the curveball he throws into that offense. They lost um, Jamal Charles early in the season, so they didn't really have a run game too much. I mean, you got Spencer Ware, and, and well, at the time they had Nile Davis for a little while, but you had Spencer Ware, and, and I can't remind me of the other dude's name when it comes up, the other running back. I can't think of his name. Charkendrick um, West. Charkendrick West, yeah. So... When Tyreek Hill came in and started playing like he was playing, it added a total different dimension to that, that offense. And Andy Reid's kind of a wizard when it comes to stuff like that, so I'm going to pick Tyreek Hill. Plus, he's great in the return game. I like it. I think he had 12 total touchdowns this year. Yeah. and Yeah, all, all three dimensions, um, returning, receiving, and rushing. Um, my offensive rookie of the year that's not on the Dallas Cowboys, I'm going to go with Michael Thomas, receiver for New Orleans. He kind of got really – he quietly had a really good season. I think playing for, for New Orleans, New Orleans didn't have a great year as a team, so no one ever talked about him. But he had, as a rookie, he had 92 catches, 1,137 yards, and nine touchdowns. He uh, he transformed into Bree's number one option um, in that offense. He's his go-to guy. I mean, I think the last game of, of the year, I think he had over 10 catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown or two. So he, he definitely emerged as um, – um, a good number one target and I think going into next year you know he could he could next year he could um, end the year as you know one of the top five top ten receivers in the NFL so we'll go with Michael Thomas yeah that's a good pick defensive rookie of the year um, I went with Joey Bosa defensive end for the San Diego slash LA slash Oakland slash Las Vegas Chargers uh, he led all rookies with 10.5 sacks and that's what's missing the first three games if you if you Let's say he, he plays those first three games at a sack and a half or two. I mean, he's almost got you know, 12, 13 sacks. So he had a fantastic year. And I swear every time I watched him play, like he seemed like if he wasn't getting to the quarterback, he was at least bringing a lot of pressure um, and made a huge difference on that defensive line. Yeah, so I, I, I went back and forth between two different guys, and I ended up picking Bosa as well. I mean, you, 10 and a half sacks over, you know, how many games? 13 games? Being a rookie? is something that I, I would be proud of definitely and and missing the first three games with a hamstring issue I think it was right no it was the uh oh it was the holdout from well, the, the holdout and then he was 
because he wasn't conditioned, he had the hamstring injury. Right. So, I mean, that that's going to speak volumes to what kind of player he is. And, and I think, you know, AFC West quarterbacks kind of watch out, man. There's so many good pass rushers in the AFC West. So I, I picked him as well. And he finished the season with 29 tackles too. And, and that's that's a big feat for being a rookie. Like rook, rookie defensive end, that's a hard that's a hard position. You go against guys like, imagine you go against a, an all pro, like you go against like a Bakhtiari or you go against like Tyron Smith or, you know, like a Joe Thomas, those guys, that that's not a hard, the easy thing to do to go up against no. premier linemen that been doing it their whole career. So for sure. Shout out Joey Bosa. All right, we're gonna do some fantasy awards here. We're gonna do fantasy rookie of the year. Um, who would you pick for that? I say Zeke again for that. Yeah, I went with Zeke as well. Um, he was the number two overall running back in fantasy behind David Johnson. Um, he just had a fantastic year. I think it was, I think we expected him to have a really good year, but for him to actually come through and just have the year he did, um, shout out to him. Um, fantasy breakout player, who'd you go with? I had Le'Veon Bell, and the reason why I had Le'Veon Bell is because Le'Veon. Be- Hold on, let me explain to you. Le'Veon Bell before, like, I mean, to my expectation, like you knew he was the number one option no matter what but the option in the passing game is what set him apart him and david johnson i would say well i had david johnson in a different category but um Le'Veon bell was just like he could he did everything he, he caught the ball he ran the ball he scored touchdowns that way so i think be, being the two-dimensional player or the multi-dimensional player i should say that made him a breakout player this year for me I guess we see breakout players something different. I see it as a guy that wasn't expected to do anything and then just came out of the scene. I'm going to go with Devontae Adams from Green Bay. He was the number nine overall receiver um, in fantasy, tied for second in the NFL with 12 touchdowns. Um, last year, he was the 67th overall receiver in fantasy. So he had a he had a huge year. And after last year, I think a lot of people thought, like, you know, was he a, was he a bust because he was dropping a lot of balls? He had no chemistry with Rodgers. And this year... You know, Rodgers really found trust in him and went to him a lot, especially early in the year when the offense was struggling. So he had a he had a monster year and looked for big things from him next year. Fantasy MVP, it sounds like we might have the same one. I got David Johnson, number number one overall fantasy player, which is, is usually a surprise. Usually number one overall fantasy player goes to a quarterback because quarterbacks usually just score the most. Um, he had almost 25 points per game. So he was a, you know, no doubt pencil him in every week kind of guy so shout out to david johnson yeah i had the exact same pick of david johnson i mean he was averaging yeah like i said 25 points a game he had in ppr formats he had 408 ppr points this year and so that just like if you had david johnson you were either in the playoffs or your team really sucked and he was your only player that was scoring anything for you yeah but if you drafted him good call Um, breakout player of the year who'd you pick Oh, just regular breakout player? Oh, are you talking about... Wait, I don't have a breakout You don't have a breakout player of the year? I have comeback player of the year, but... Okay. Breakout player of the year? I'll think of something. Go ahead okay. and explain yours. My breakout player of the year is Landon Collins. Um, you've mentioned several times how he's... He went from playing kind of like a free safety role to come coming down and playing near the box. Um, he had 100 tackles this season, five interceptions, four sacks. He had a pick six for his... Versus the Rams earlier this year, he had a, he had a huge year and he ended the year as an All Pro, which coming into the year no one really expected. So, um, give some love to Landon Collins. Uh, breakout player of the year for me, I think is going to be Olivier Vernon. I would say Landon Collins, but I have him in a different category, so we'll just leave that how it is. Um, but I would say Olivier Vernon out. Vernon coming out of Miami, he was regarded as a good rusher. Like he was he was the top DN that was paid this offseason, but he was kind of a question mark like they didn't know okay he could either play really well or he's gonna get paid and not do anything and with Olivier Vernon in the on the defensive line for the Giants made so much of a difference they shut down Dallas twice Dallas had one of the best offenses coming out and they were able to get that was the only team that I saw other than the Falcons because of how far ahead they were that got pressure on Rodgers consistently in the playoffs they sacked him or put pressure on him the whole entire time with just rushing defensive ends. So I think that's my breakout player of the year. All right, cool talk. Comeback player of the year. Um, I went with Jordy Nelson from Green Bay. Coming back from that torn ACL, I mean, people never really know, like, how you're going to perform. And during the offseason, McCarthy said he thinks, you know, Nelson's going to be stronger than he was before. And he had a big year, man. He led the league in, in touchdowns with 14. He had 97 catches, you know, 1,257 yards. Had a huge year. Him and Devonte Adams, you know, they they both um, played phenomenal, especially down the stretch for 
for the Packers offense. And it helps when Aaron Rodgers give me the ball, but Jordan Nelson definitely turned that offense up once he once he finally got his groove back about you know week six or week seven and started playing better that offense definitely started to change and you know second half of the season they went on that run and made it to the playoffs so shout out to Jordy Nelson did you know Jordy Nelson's nickname was White Lightning I feel like I've heard that before yeah, apparently his nickname is White Lightning I also went with the same Jordy Nelson pick okay. so I don't really need to explain any more than he that he had a good year man he had a really good he year he had a really good year this year played with broken ribs shout out to yeah that was, a, that was an impressive game he played who's your offensive player of the year um <laughs> I said Julio Jones and the reason why I said Julio Jones is because he just he takes over games and he's gonna single hand he one of the people that led Atlanta into the into the playoffs into the Super Bowl and teams have to game plan around him and so I picked him as my offensive player of the year maybe he got different credentials than you do as you see maybe offensive player for stat wise but I don't see it I, I see it more of like a game changer and that's that's who it mine is that's fair. Um, I went with David Johnson. I mean, he had a he had a monster year, and it, got, it kind of got overshadowed just because the rest of that Arizona Cardinals team didn't, didn't play up to you know the standard that they were expected to play up to. He had over twenty one hundred you know total yards from scrimmage, twenty touchdowns, and he had eighty receptions out of the backfield. You don't see that a lot from a running back where they have that many receptions, but also can can carry the ball. Um, I don't want to completely compare him to this guy, but if you look back at the numbers. They're, they're similar to like what LT put up when LT was playing back in the early 2000s, LaDainian Tomlinson. Tomlinson had a couple of years where he had over 80 yards, um, or sorry, 80 receptions. Marshall Falk was the same kind of back. So it's too early in his career to compare to those guys, but stat-wise, he had a similar year to those kind of guys. So, yeah. you know, <clears throat> if, if the Cardinals had made the playoffs and, you know, met a better team this year, David Johnson definitely would have got some MVP votes. But because the rest of the team didn't play very well, you know, he's going to be left off that ballot. Um, defensive player of the year. I think we got the same guy. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So um, we picked Landon Collins as defensive player of the year, and so the reason why we we picked him specifically is last year he was playing a free, a free safety role, transitioned over and played a strong safety role, and his numbers were absurd this year. He had five interceptions, uh, seventy two yards in total rushing or in total uh, return yards, and he had a pick six on one of those um, those interceptions. Whereas last year, he had one interception. Uh, we can also talk about how many tackles he had. He had 80 tackles last year playing as a free safety role, which is understandable. You're not playing up in the box as much. This year, he had 100 tackles, and he led the league uh, for safeties in tackles this year. He also had four sacks on the quarterback. So he's just he, he, he was able to fly around, make plays, and he played in the actual position that he needed to. Last year, he was playing free safety because of injuries, and uh, he prospered because of that. Yeah, I, got, I had the same thing at Landon Collins as well. Um, you know, I talked about some of his, his stats earlier, and you, you, you mentioned them again. Um, but also, the Giants' defense, man, they were number two in points per game allowed. I think they only allowed about 17 points per game. Um, you know, the reason why they got to the playoffs and had the record that I think they went 11-5, and five, I believe, um, it wasn't because of the offense. The offense didn't perform very well. I don't think the offense scored over 20 points in the last, like, six or seven games of the year. It was because the defense was able to hold the other team you know, to 17 points per game. And I think a lot of that speaks to, to Landon Collins and, you know, some of the other uh, the pieces they added in free agency. A lot of times when you add a lot of, like, big names in free agency, like they added Olivia Vernon and Janoris Jenkins, a lot of times they don't mesh together. But that defense definitely um, stood out um, as probably the, uh, the class of the NSC this year. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they're, hands down, their defense is going to be good going here out, and we'll see how they do in the draft if they decide to get more defense. But... It's looking like that's gonna that's gonna be what they're gonna build their team off of his defense. So last person or uh, last uh, player award, we're gonna go with MVP. Who are you picking? Pick Matt Ryan. It's hard to pick against him. Yeah, I go with Matt Ryan, man. Nearly five thousand yards passing, thirty eight touchdowns, seven interceptions. Best year of his career. I mean, uh, another guy you gotta you gotta throw in that talk is Aaron Rodgers. I think those are the two guys when they announce the awards on Saturday. I think those are the two guys. You go between Tom Brady definitely had a, a ball in year, but missing four games I think hurts him. Um, but yeah, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, but I'll go I'll go with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan was just really impressive this year, and he did it consistently the entire year. Rodgers, you know that team struggled half the year, um, but Matt Ryan was doing it since week one, and um, you know obviously led him to the Super Bowl. When you look at these awards, they're regular season awards, so you can't really take the playoffs into account. 
but even during the regular season, Matt Ryan was phenomenal. Yep. A couple more awards here, and we'll get to the Super Bowl preview. Uh, team awards. Now, I sent you a text last night on this, so I don't know if you did it or not. but I did do it. First one was the biggest dumpster fire. Who was the biggest dumpster fire this year? The Las Vegas, Angeles, Oakland Rams. <laughs> yeah, why is that? Uh, you talked about it earlier. If Jared Goff doesn't pan out, they set their franchise back about two or three years. and Easily. They got all these defensive picks, but they have nobody on offense. And Gurley looks like he's going to be a wasted talent, you know, running behind that terrible offensive line in St. Louis. And so they don't really have a lot. I mean, they can only go up from here, but at the same time, how, how quickly are they going up? And we'll see how long it takes them to rebuild that that team and get them back into playoff contention. You know, the saying is defense wins championships, but you got to have a little bit of offense to, to get to that yeah. championship. My biggest dumpster fire is me, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, coming into the year, you know, they, they were that team that was expected to not be as good as Oakland was this year, but expected to break out like Oakland did this year. And they went 3-13. and 13. They Gus Bradley got fired um, way longer than, than it took to get, for him to get fired. Blake Bortles was terrible. You know, the game, there was a Thursday night game against Tennessee. It looked like the team had just given up on defense. They didn't even bother to try to tackle anybody. Against the Titans? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, was, that was rough to watch. So, Jaguars, my biggest dumpster fire. Surprise team of the year. Falcons. Um, you went the Falcons? I went with the Falcons. Okay, okay. Didn't have them making the playoffs, let alone, no, like didn't. I said, the Super Bowl. I'm going to go, I thought about doing the Falcons. I went with the Dolphins, just because the Dolphins, I have them even pegged worse than the, uh, I think I had them finishing last in that division they went 10 and 6 got a wild card um ryan Tannehill had it had the best year of his career so i'm gonna go with, go with the miami dolphins most disappointing team of the year cardinals and the same pick man i got the cardinals as well seven eight and one uh coming into the year sports illustrated had them beating the steelers in the super bowl and that obviously didn't didn't pan out the way it should have um yeah cardinals man they were a very very disappointing year i mean living in here in Arizona, we hear it more than probably the rest of the, the country does. But, um, yeah, there was definitely a lot higher expectations for this team, and they, they did not show up this year. Well, like, imagine David Johnson. He had – I mean, he's only been playing – he's been a starter now for two years. But, yeah, six season this year, and it went seven, eight, and one. They were just wasted. Yeah. Yeah. But – on the bright side, they did play one of the most exciting games as a fan, that tie game, that 6-6. <laughs> and I'm not I'm – not, I'm being serious when I say that. that. Like, that it, was, it was it was a competitive game, even though it was just six six final. I was uh, straight defensive game both it was, sides. But it was a uh, it was an exciting game. It wasn't like a boring low scoring game. It was exciting. Cool. So those are our our awards for the season. Uh, if you have any opinions on that, any thoughts, any disagreements, uh, shout us out on Twitter at the Two Man Blitz. Email us the Two Man Blitz at gmail.com. Let's get into our Super Bowl preview. We got the New England Patriots of the AFC versus the Atlanta Falcons of the NFC. Yes, this, this game will be this Sunday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox. Got Mr. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, who I, I like. I like them as commentators. Most people seem like they don't. I hate Joe Buck. I like Joe Buck. What's your what's your thing with Joe Buck? I don't know. You just don't like him? I just hate Joe Buck. I like him. I think it's because I consistently hear him on the Cowboys games. And, like, he just, I don't know. I don't know what it is, Joe, Joe Buck. I just don't like him. All right. I, I, like, I, I like listening to the guy. Um, Patriots are coming into this game. They're in a nine-game winning streak. They got the number one scoring defense, averaging about 15.6 points per game allowed. But they haven't played a lot of a lot of top-end QBs this season. You know, they played Russell Wilson and Big Ben. Matt Ryan's definitely going to be their toughest test all year. Yeah, there's no, Matt Ryan does everything so well. He gets everybody involved, and he's been you know he knows how to break down a defense. And Brady does the same thing. And, and yeah, this is going to be the best test. Of the, of the season for New England, they, they've, I wouldn't say they had an easy road because there's no roads that are easy to the Super Bowl, but they haven't had as difficult of teams to play, so I think that's the advantage going into it for Atlanta. I think, I think for the Patriots, and I don't want to discount anything that they they've done this year, but yeah, the AFC is definitely the the teams they played were definitely weaker than expected. Like the Jets, you know, the the Jets had a really down year. Um, I know the Bills and the Dolphins had had better years, but you know they, they took it to both those teams. Um, they had to play. I think they played the Browns, um, the Ravens. They had they didn't play too many top end top level quarterbacks. Um, the match the matchup to watch out for in this game is Malcolm Butler against Julio Jones. 
Um, Malcolm Butler, he's the he's the number five ranked cornerback um, on Pro Football Focus. Um, pro Football Focus had him a, as a first teamer All Pro, and uh, Associated Press, which is the uh, main All Pro, he was a second teamer. So Malcolm Butler, you know, he emerged on the scene two years ago when he caught the uh, the pick to seal the uh, the Super Bowl over the the Seahawks. But ever since then, man, he's been he's he's been All Pro caliber, obviously. Yeah, I, I think. Uh... You limit Julio and what he can do. I mean, on the, the Falcons could beat you in about 40 different ways. But if you're able to limit Julio down to, you know, one catch, two catches tops, then you're doing something right. And I, I don't know. It, it's it's going to be a hard test. The Falcons' offense is so dynamic. They do so many different things with different people. And so it's it's not just one guy. Like, I, it is Julio, yes. But it's also not just one guy. You get Sanu and you got all the, you know, the tight end, the two backs. Uh, the fullback even got involved, so I think they have to just game plan for everybody being a threat, no matter what. Yeah, Butler will definitely be matched up with Julio as often as possible, I'm sure. Malcolm Butler, he's 5'11", 190. You know, he matched up against Antonio Brown two weeks ago. Antonio Brown's 5'10", 180, so more his size, um, which is a, a, you know a solid matchup. And you know, he he held Antonio Brown in check. I think Brown had like seven catches for like 60 or 70 yards. But Julio Jones, you know, he's a he's a different type of receiver. He's 6'3", 220, much bigger. You know, he's got four inches over Malcolm Butler. So curious to see how, how Butler defends him. You know, I don't I don't watch Patriots games weekly, so I know he's gone up against some of the best receivers in the NFL. You know, he's played against AJ Green, Demarius Thomas, Odell, um, Odell. So we'll we'll see how we'll we'll see how that matchup pans out. Um, their defense, they're allowing the 10th most passing plays over 20 yards. So you would think, oh, they're giving up a lot of big plays, but no. They're also allowing the second fewest passing plays over 40 yards. Um, and only three running plays um, that they've allowed have gone over 20 yards. So they're not allowing a lot of big plays. And I think that's one of the areas that Atlanta thrives in is, is, is the big play. Um, as an offense, uh, the Falcons lead the NFL with 17 passing plays over 40 yards. So... It's gonna be a good matchup watching the uh, the Patriots defense versus the Atlanta offense. That's definitely gonna be a matchup to watch out for. I think another thing you need to watch for too is how Legarrette Blunt plays. Legarrette Blunt is a real big back, and they you know they do power run and they they do some other things too with Deion Lewis. But Legarrette Blunt's gonna come in key here because if they have to sustain a drive later on down the line, you can throw with Brady. I mean Brady has no problem doing that, but to be able to just hand the ball off to Blunt and kind of take the pressure off of Brady not that he can't handle it, is going to help out in the long run loads. And I haven't really seen Atlanta play a team that has a really good rushing offense yet. They haven't really... I mean, in the NFC, if you think about the good rushing offenses, who are they? Dallas. Dallas. And who else? Atlanta. <laughs> right? They can't play themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so, I no mean... No in their division has a great you know, running no, offense. No, and they really haven't played anybody outside the division that's had a really good rushing offense either. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they do against... A running back that might be able to you know just pound up the middle go four or five yards and we'll see Patriots are so good man they have so many ways they can beat you um Deion Lewis you know is, is healthy now since uh the Patriots acquired Deion Lewis um you know they've had him last year and this year they're 16 and 0 when Deion Lewis plays so Deion Lewis is going to play in this game so either they're going to wind up 17 and 0 or 16 and 1 when he plays we'll, we'll see what happens um, but he's a dynamic player. He's really hard to cover. They also got James White out of the backfield. Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan. Um, Edelman, he's got 11 targets per game since week five, which is when Brady returned from his suspension. Um, you know, both his playoff games, he's gone, has at least eight catches and over 100 yards. You know, back in Super Bowl two years ago when they played Seattle, he had nine for 109 and a touchdown. And that was with a couple of concussions as well. So <laughs> he's uh, Julian Edelman's. I think Julian Edelman has a big game because um, that's uh, obviously Brady's number one target. When he lines up in the slot, you know he's averaging 22.3 yards per reception in the postseason. That's incredible. Insane. Incredible. You know, often the uh, in this game, the Falcons' offense seems to draw a lot of the attention, but uh, the Patriots' offense, man, they're number three scoring offense in the NFL. They're averaging over 30 points per game since Brady came back from his suspension. So that offense is uh, they're, they're as prolific as um, as Atlanta. Maybe not get as much attention but they definitely deserve it yeah i i um i think another thing that a, a big key point in this game is going to be what vic beasley does on the edge um 
Vic Beasley is going to be going against one of the better offensive lines in the league. It doesn't seem that way because of the kind of offense they run, but they're actually a, a pretty solid unit, and so he rushes more so off of the uh, the weak side. So he'll go against, up against most likely the right tackle, which is in a traditional offense probably one of your weaker linemen. I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't call the right tackle weak, but it's a weaker than the two tackles. Right. It, it, out of all this whole the whole line, I'd say that's the one that is probably not has as much talent and so we're gonna see what that looks like he's been doing it all year where he's been rushing off that edge and and beating up right tackles and we'll, we'll see how they game plan for Vic Beasley also for the Falcons they've won the last six games in that six game stretch they're outscoring opponents on average 39 to 19 points per game so I mean they're you know they're beating opponents by 20 points per game which is impressive number one scoring offense averaging about 34 points per game I mentioned earlier about the, the big plays uh, Matt, Matt Ryan, man, what I like about him, he's not afraid to throw the ball deep, no matter who's who's covering his guy. I mean, when you got Julio Jones down there, arguably the best receiver in football, you know, you got to give him a chance every time. Matt Ryan, number one pass rating amongst QBs on deep passes. Do you know who number who number two is? Tom Brady. He is number two. So both these guys are not afraid to throw it deep, and they they do it well. Um, you talked about a lot of the you know the good young weapons that the Atlanta has on offense, but. Their defense, man, um, another part of their game that just doesn't get as much attention because the offense is so prolific, but their defense has really improved as the season went on. You know, you mentioned Vic Beasley, led the NFL in sacks. Um, their starting cornerbacks, Jalen Collins, he's in his second year, and Robert Alford, he's in his fourth year. Both had two picks this year. They lost Desmond Trufant, who was their uh, their true number one earlier this season and haven't had him, you know, the second half when they've been playing so well. So, you know, if they had him in there, they'd make him even better. Um, Deion Jones, linebacker, rookie out of LSU. He's also had a, um, a big impact on the team, led the team in tackles. Um, and Keanu Neal, uh, rookie strong safety, led all rookies with five forced fumbles. I would expect him to be responsible for coming down into the line of scrimmage to cover uh, Deion Lewis and James White out of the backfield. You know, he's a, he's a guy that's really good at tackling. So those guys are very, they're very shifty. They're small. They can line up outside or inside. Um, I think I think part of the key is uh, stopping those guys and holding those guys in check. Uh, yeah, you covered exactly what I was just about to cover. So we're Sorry, not talk about that. Are no, you straight? One, th- one more thing I'll mention. Uh, this is the sixth time in Super Bowl history that the number one number one offense and number one defense have, have played against each other, and number one defense is four and one in those games. So um, we'll see uh, we'll see how these teams match up. Last year was very similar. You know, Carolina had the the high flying offense, and Denver's defense was was really good. And Denver put it to them and, and held Cam in check. Did I take all your thunder there? I don't. I'm I sorry, have, dude. I have nothing to say. Now. I had a lot. I had a lot to say there, so I'm sorry. All right, we're gonna move on. I'm gonna m- mention a couple keys to victories for both teams. Um, they're pretty much the same thing. You know, you would think. A quarterback like Matt Ryan and Tom Brady, you want to you want to bring pressure, get pressure on them, so they get flustered. They have to move out of the pocket. I don't know. I think the key is to don't blitz these guys. When when these guys are uh, are being blitzed, which is uh, at least five pass rushers, Matt Ryan number one in the NFL, 123.2 passer rating versus the blitz, 14 touchdowns, zero picks. Brady's number two, 116.9 passer rating versus the blitz, nine touchdowns, zero interceptions. So both these guys are phenomenal against the blitz. So I would just not even bother and just just drop that extra guy in coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, another key, I think you got to force turnovers in this game. Both QBs, they're they're going to move the ball. They're both going to score. You got to find a way to just slow them down. I mean, it it, it could be a shootout. It could just be back and forth. So, who's gonna who's gonna turn the ball over first and give the the other team an advantage? Yeah, I think you. I think going along the side of the Falcons when it comes to Tom Brady, I, I think you have to you have to make Tom Brady. Uh, throw a good ball like do not let him pick your defense apart we saw what he did against the Steelers Steelers tried to play a lot of zone coverage and Brady just kind of orchestrates beautifully and says no I'm gonna break this coverage down so I think you play a lot of man Um, if you do play a zone you know disguise the coverages and things like that and make make Tom Brady do what he's what he's been good at and do his job you know he 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 could be perfect all game and and slip up once and that's that's your opportunity and and this is gonna this is gonna be a high-flying game and if it's not, then I don't know what these teams are doing if that's not the case. Vegas has this game, I think, at 58 or 59 points on the over-under, and that's one of the highest in you know, Super Bowl history. So what, what, I, what I think back to is I think of the uh, Brady's second Super Bowl title when they beat the Panthers. That was back in Houston, back in the early 2000s. That game was, I think, like 38 to 35, something like that. 
So I'm hoping it's going to be a game like that. I'll tell you this, if it comes down to a field goal, though, both teams got great kickers, man. Matt yeah. Bryant could be the best season of his career. Steven Gostowski, he had, he had a down year, but he's still a fantastic kicker. So um, there's there's no problems in that area for both teams. Mm-hmm. So who you picking, man? So history says that every time the team wears the white color, they've won in the past couple every years. Every team or just last couple Mo- years? Last couple of years, it's okay. been every the team that's worn white jerseys has won um the super bowl i'm gonna go against the i'm gonna go against the water here against the current the flow and i'm gonna say uh the falcons they let they they edge it out in the end so patriots are wearing white patriots are wearing white okay you go with the falcons i'm gonna go with the falcons in the red jerseys what's your reason why i think it's there's a i think there's only there's a certain point where you get to like when you look at a team and you just realize this team really has no weaknesses. There's there's not a lot we can do. It, it's hopefully we can keep up, and I think the Patriots can keep up. Like don't get me wrong, they got one of the best defenses, but I I don't know. It's I, I think it's just this is the year. This is the year for Atlanta. This is the year for Matt Ryan to show everybody like I'm I'm here. So I really hope you're right because I'm, I'm pulling for Atlanta. You know, my buddy Anthony, he's a he's a big Falcons fan, so I'm pulling for him. You know, they, they've had a fantastic season, and you know. I wasn't even. I was upset when they beat the Packers, but I wasn't too upset because I was like, they're the better team. They they deserve to win that game, and they've shown it all season long. Um, I'm definitely gonna be gonna be cheering for them. I hope they win. Like, you know, I'm not a Patriots hater or nothing, but it it gets old when you see the same team in the Super Bowl every year winning. So, I mean, if you're a Patriots fan, obviously you want to win. But if you're not, if you're if you're not a New England fan, you're probably pulling for Atlanta. It's hard to pick against Tom Brady, though. Like, there, you say there's no weaknesses on Atlanta. There's no weaknesses on, on New England no. either. Yeah, not at Bill all. Bill Belichick can find can find a weakness on any team. I'm sure he'll find some kind of hole in Atlanta, and he'll exploit it, um, whether that's that's using Deion, Lo- Deion Lewis and, and James White out of the backfield. Um, I don't know. If, if, I, if I knew, I would be on his coaching staff. But I'm going to pick the Patriots in this one, man. It, it's just I don't – I like the idea, the storyline of, like, you know, it could be the changing of the guard, and you know the the Falcons become the new powerhouse of the NFC. But it's just Brady's still so good, man. He's he's still in his prime. Like he's not slowing down at all. He makes it work, man. It's it's hard to pick against him, especially in a big game like this when he's been to six Super Bowls previously. So I think he wins his fifth Super Bowl, and it's a uh, another championship for New England. Okay, we'll see. I think it's immense them as the they may already be, but if they win this, I think it's immense them as the best franchise in, in football and a clear dynasty. We'll see who they have after Brady, though. See if Bill Belichick decides True. to stick around. Do you think if Bel- if they win, they should rename the Super Bowl trophy? <laughs> I don't think they ever will, but they won't change it from Lombardi. No. But I mean, if they was going to change it, you'd know the commissioner will not have that. He will not have a trophy named after Belichick. For sure, they've been talking all week about like if, if they win, like having it, Goodell have to hang the hand the uh, Super Bowl trophy over to to Belichick and all the issues with Goodell and the Patriots. So it'll be interesting. It'll be it'll be a fun game. It's exciting. Um, should be much better than last year's Super Bowl. So I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, I'll take the Patriots. You're gonna take the Falcons. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Cool. Anything else you want to mention? Uh. No, the only the only other thing I want to mention is if you if you get a chance go watch the Pro Bowl Skill Challenge over. Oh. It was really funny. <laughs> it was uh, I like I like the passer like the uh, the passing and I forget the passing challenge like where they have to hit the targets. I like that. That's fun. Um, but dodgeball, it just it made sense that Andy Dalton was the first one out. It just it just made sense. That's <laughs> um, right. We didn't even mention the Pro Bowl. Did you watch any of it? No, not really. No, me either. Uh, for any of you guys that didn't watch the Pro Bowl, the AFC ended up winning 17-10, to 10, I think, was the score. Maybe. I think it was 20-16. to 16. I don't know who won that. Something like that. It was the AFC that ended up winning. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't a lot to the... The Pro Bowl is, is, is a very... It's a weird game because you get guys there that were in the playoffs. Like For example, you got some of the Dallas players. You had some of the Chiefs players. And they come out and they kind of just like... It looks like practice, just coming out and messing around and playing. And it's funny. They, they like, Ajayi was running the ball, and he got tackled, and they, like, picked him up and supermaned him. And I don't know. It's it's a... They, it's, need, to get, they need to get rid of it. It's 
it just doesn't. I mean, like, I understand, football doesn't work. I understand they want an all-star, like kind of like an all-star game, but you can't do it at the end of the season. These yeah. teams just got eliminated from playoffs, and they're like, nah, I don't want to play. Like, I don't want to play any more football. I want to get ready for the off-season. So, yeah, it's they just need to, they just need to to bounce that and get rid of that camp. Yeah. Just keep yeah. the all-pro list. Like we we put the guys out there that are yeah. good. Just keep the all-pro list. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, that's our that's our take on the Super Bowl. I um, hope you liked our awards. Let me know what you think of those. Um, we'll be back next week. Next week, we'll uh, we'll recap the Super Bowl. Um, kind of talk about what we have planned uh, going forward, and then, you know, after next week, we might, like I said earlier, we may start going down to a show every two weeks. But we will let you know more next week. But enjoy the Super Bowl. I hope you guys have fun. Stay drink, safe. Drink a lot. Eat a lot. But stay enjoy, safe. Enjoy the game. But we'll uh, we'll chat with you guys next week. Later. Later.